0: Now, if you would, turn to Acts chapter 3. Since it's been a while since we met, I want to go back and begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 22. I mean, in verse 41 of chapter 2. Then they that gladly received his word... Were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. If I could just grasp us that many at one time, it, our Lord's arm's not shortened that he can't save, his ear's not heavy that he can't hear. And they continued, and they will, all believers will, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together. And they all had all things common. And they sold their possessions and their goods. And they parted them to all men, never as every man had need. Nobody told them to do those things. They just did those things. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking of bread from house to house, partaking of the Lord's table, and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to his church daily such as should be saved. So it wasn't just the 3,000. He added to the church. many as should be saved. And here in chapter 3, he gives us an example of a man. Of him healing this man, he was a uh, lame man, been laying there beside the gate, beautiful, for forty years since his birth. We know he's been there forty years because in chapter four it tells us. And Peter preaches a message on uh, about this man and what God did for this man. These people can't understand what happened to this man. You imagine. Everybody probably knew him. If you went to the temple, if you went through this gate, he may not have been there every day, but they saw him. He's there begging for, I guess, some money or something to be able to survive. Because if they couldn't work, it's not like it is today where we offer, try to teach people a a trade or something, like Sandy used to teach special ed in high school to try to teach people to be able to to survive out in the world, but when they didn't have those things, this man, he has no other recourse but to beg. But he can't work. And he's here begging. And God's going to show mercy to this man. In verse 1 of chapter 3, now Peter and John went up together into the temple. About the, about the hour of prayer being about the ninth hour, which is about three o'clock in the afternoon. They went because this was the time of the evening sacrifice. uh, This would have been the, the time like when our Lord gave his life upon the cross, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate in the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple." Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, this man asked of them an alms. And Peter fastening his eyes upon him, when John said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter took him by the hand, the right hand, and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they, and they, and they knew who it was. They knew it was he that set for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. At that which had happened unto him, they knew something has happened, and something did happen. I want us to consider here our Lord having mercy upon this lame beggar. His his name's not mentioned, but he said he was a certain beggar, which that means that there were other beggars there. But only this man is delivered. And him being delivered of his his lameness, of the lameness of his legs and his ankles, is a picture of the lameness of a man spiritually. He cannot save himself. He cannot. He cannot. And by nature, we are all beggars. Why did Peter and John come to the temple? They've come here to preach the gospel. Where will Jews be gathered? They'll be gathered in the temple. They're still going through their rituals. They don't, they, they don't realize, they don't think that Christ was the Messiah. They don't think that he's already come. And they're still, still going through their rituals. But the glory of God has left that place. But Peter goes there. Now think about this. He's going to the temple to preach the gospel. And he's not, he's not planning on meeting this man. He didn't come here, Peter and John didn't come just to this man. They were going into the temple. They were going to walk by this man. But this man asked a question of them. Would you, would you give me a little money? And got their attention. And got their attention. The Lord always takes the initiative in saving his people. Peter and John came to this man. Peter and John, as we know, they were partners together in fishing. Our Lord had made them fishers of men. Peter and John were both brothers; they must have been very dear friends. You remember when our Lord instituted the Lord's Table? John had his head laid on the breast of our Father. I mean, of our Lord. And Peter asked him, said, "John, ask him which one's going to betray us? I mean, betray you? Which one's going to betray you?" But someone made a point that John must have went out of his way to make sure he encouraged Peter. Because you know Peter still dealt with the fact that he had denied our Lord three times. And all we also see, when they went together, when our Lord sent out preachers, he sent them out by two. Why? Because we need each other. They don't really, you imagine, they don't know what they're going to face to go to that temple. We're going to find out next week, Lord willing, when he preaches the message, that these people that are in that temple are the very ones that cried, crucify him, crucify him. You see grace in all this picture. He's taking the gospel to them. And he's going to use the healing of this man to get these people's attention. God knows exactly how to get men's attention. An example It was so sad the other night. Most of you have probably seen it. It's been on all the newscasts of that guy who collapsed on that football field. It's a miracle he's still here. But it sure got everybody's attention. Big old boys, probably weighing over 300 pounds, just a big, huge man, were in tears. Silence. He got their attention. You know, I looked, and they said that, that, that it had happened before back in the 50s. This man was running up the field. The game was almost over. He grabbed his chest and fell over, and one guy thought he was faking, said, get up from there, and he had a heart attack right there and died right on the field. God got these people's attention. Said they, When they saw this man, they stand with wonder and amazement, Something. Something's happened to that man. Something different. It's called grace. It's called grace. There's several things we can learn from this. Like I've already mentioned, we need each other. We are to encourage each other. We all have trials, we all have struggles. Like I said, they don't know what they're going to face when they go into that temple, but it doesn't matter. The Lord has filled them with his spirit. And they're going to preach the gospel to these people. And you know what? He's going to tell them who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. They're going to the temple. They're going to to worship. They're going to worship. They, They know what the sacrifice means. They know who the sacrifice was. That's why they went to worship. And what a blessing that it is tonight that we can come and gather together in this place and worship. When that temple was still erected, where did they go to worship? That's where they went. Our Lord, the first time he went into the temple, remember, he drove them out with a whip. Now, he's gone to glory. He said, you're going to preach the gospel to the Jews first. Well, where are the Jews gathered at? In the temple. Where are they going to be gathered? Three times a day. This is the third Hour or the ninth hour, 3 p.m. in the afternoon. They're going to be people there. Those people need to hear the gospel. God takes the gospel to them. They don't come looking for the gospel. That's how God saves sinners. I'm found to them who sought me not. He goes seeking them, seeking them. They came at the appointed hour. He's going to, and when we gather to worship, God makes himself known. He made himself known to Peter and John, and he makes himself known to this lame man. This man's 40 years old. He had to have heard about Jesus Christ. He had to have heard. He may have even saw him. We don't know. But here he lays, unchanged. Can you imagine that? What's your life? Well, I'm going to wait for my brother or somebody to come pick me up in the morning, and they're going to take me down there to some church, and they're going to sit me out, and I'm going to sit there with a can or something in my hand and beg for some money. You may have heard me say this. When we went to Mexico, it was like that. There was a huge old Catholic building down there right in the middle of, of town. And there, was, there were people sitting there. Some were blind. Some were lame, couldn't walk. And, and they're just sitting there shaking the little can. And you go inside that building, and it's probably unreal what that building cost silver and gold and statues everywhere, and people laying outside begging, begging for something. We see here also a picture of charity and kindness. Peter and John stopped, they didn't have any money. They said, Silver and gold, don't, we don't have. They probably and they probably they probably themselves look like beggars. Just fishermen. We ought to do what we can to relieve the sufferings of others. They were talking last night, it was kindly said how many thousand foster children they are just in the state of West Virginia. And some of them go through those different homes many times before they river ever, ever grown. But the main thing I want us to see is how our Lord demonstrates and reveals his power in saving sinners. All men, like this man here in this text, are impotent, lame by nature, makes me think of Mephibosheth, who was lame on both his feet. Why was he lame? Mephibosheth, lame through a fall, and that's how we became lame. This is no accident that this man is lame, and it's not because of a disease. He was born this way. Most of you don't know. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it. My dad, he remarried, and they had a a son. His name was Glenn. Glenn was born with cerebral palsy. He never spoke. He never walked. He never sat at the table and ate. And when he was about 21, he died because of pressure on his heart. But he was born lame. He could not walk. He could not help himself. If he got up, my father had to pick him up and lay him in a bed. If he got up, he had to put him in the wheelchair. He was totally dependent upon someone else, and that's how we are. We're lame beggars. Our legs are broken, our hands are withered, our eyes are blind, and our ears are deaf. Like this poor man, we are unable to help ourselves. His friends couldn't. They could only bring him to the place and put him right here. That must have been his place. And then they'd come at the end of the day and pick him up and take him wherever he stayed. And next day they'd do the same thing. But it never cured his lameness. It never cured his lameness. This was the only place he thought he could get some help. He, not, he couldn't work. He could only beg. Salvation is not of works. It's of God's work in the heart, not of our work. The only thing we could ever earn was wrath. Matthew Henry said, Those that need and cannot work must not be ashamed to beg. I've seen people that were too proud to beg. If this man didn't beg, he would have probably died. Probably died. Providence had made this man poor and helpless, and put him in the place where the Lord would cross his path. God moves in a mysterious way, His wonders to perform. He plants His footsteps on the sea, and He rides upon the storm. God will have, you know. Probably everybody give up on this man. He'd probably, you know, he'd never walked. He didn't know what it was to walk. He's seen people walk, and I guess he just got used to the situation. I guess that's how people just get used to sin. Nothing will ever change. It'll just stay the same. Something else. Religion. Man-made religion that appeals to the flesh. That's all this temple was. It was a, there's, no, there's no salvation here. It's just a picture. It's just a form of godliness, but no power. This was only a mockery to this man. Like I said, that, that church in Mexico was just a mockery to those poor people. A mockery. you imagine what it cost? Josephus, who, was, who is or was, I'm sorry, a Jewish historian... Said the temple was made of solid white polished marble. The gate that was called beautiful was made of fine Corinthian gold, and it said when the sh- sun shined upon that gold and silver and that marble, it was almost blinding. You remember our disciples? They said, "Remember when he would come out of the temple? Said Lord, do you not see all these buildings?" Oh, these beautiful buildings. And he said, there's not going to be one stone left upon another. It's not going to be torn down. In about 40 years, they will be torn down. But it's just a mockery. It can not help this, man. Look, look at religion today. It's a mockery. It's a mockery to God. It's a mockery to sinners. Oh, they've got to have the finest. They've got to you know, have the biggest building and do all these things. And, and now they don't have a, an auditorium or, or a uh, a place we come to worship, an auditorium. It's not a sanctuary, it's an auditorium. Oh, we're gonna build us a family life center. We don't meet in an auditorium, that, that's old mess, you know. We're gonna we're gonna meet in a family life center where the basketball goals are and, and whatever we want. It's it's about entertainment. People just want to be entertained. Some people talk about contemporary worship, there's no such thing. Did you read an article a couple weeks ago in the bulletin from uh, Clay Curtis? It was excellent. Contemporary, it's a con, and it's only temporary. And the gospel is not temporary, and it's not a con. It's contemporary. There's nothing contemporary about worship. Well, they could have had their... You know, the Pharisees, they loved to dress in their flak and wanted everybody to know how, how so-called religious they were and what helped that man. He said, our Lord told him." he said, you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense, you make long prayers. Just a mockery. These Jews, they took pride in their temple. Men take pride in their buildings, don't they? You know, I had someone to tell me. Uh, I guess I can share this. It, it really kind of bothered me. They uh, were saying they was here in our, our building. It's our the building the Lord's given us, and I'm thankful, thankful. They said, you know, uh, this reminded me how we, how we used to be when we had a little building. Now we got a big building. <laughs> I wanted. I said, okay. I just didn't I just walked off. I mean, we're so human. Isn't that it? We think, well, we must be special. Our our building's bigger than your building. I'd rather meet in my living room and God be with us than you have the biggest, finest building and not have God. There's the temple. This mocks This man. What was the waste? What was, the, what was the waste? Of, why, did, why did they do it? Who does it help? It just looks good, doesn't it? It's all, it's all about appearances. <sighs> Many times we'll see in the book of Acts, it talks about the poor saints at Jerusalem. Poor saints at Jerusalem. God's glory had departed from this place. I thought about this religion mocking this man. I thought about the song, Poor I Was and Sought for Riches, Something that would satisfy. But the dust that I gathered round me only mocked my soul. Sad cry. It's not this man's physical condition. It's his soul condition. That religion, that temple, couldn't help him. It's never helped anybody. It's more of a detriment to men's souls than it is anything good. There was nothing or anyone connected with that temple that could be of any spiritual help to this poor beggar. There was nothing nor anyone connected with that building that could help this man. Nothing. If they told him to work, it's, <laughs> do what? <laughs> I'm lame. They didn't want him. They didn't want him. They didn't need him. There's no grace, there's no gospel, there's no Christ, and there's no life. But here come two men In the midst of this religion, who have the gospel? Who have life? That's why I read Isaiah 35. It's just like a barren desert place. You imagine being in no life, no water. We've hewed out cisterns which can hold no water. God uses means to save sinners. James and John just just happened to be going into the temple, like Ruth just happened on Boaz's field. They just happened this to cross this man's path. Like I said, they probably would. They probably would just. Their mind was on going into the temple, but the Lord had brought them here for this man and for some of those people in the temple. As I think about this, I think about when Jairus sent for our Lord because his 12-year-old daughter was sick. And they go to get our Lord, and our Lord is on the way to Jairus' house, and Jairus is with him. And, you know, he came, He said, boy, I wish he'd come on. I, I, We've got to get to the house. My daughter's dying. And he meets a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. And he heals her. And she comes and she confesses that she looked to Christ and he said, go and sin no more. And while Jairus is standing there, I think he said, well, He'd come on. Somebody comes from Jairus' house and don't, said, don't bother the master. Your daughter's dead. Our Lord said, only believe. <laughs> only believe. It seemed like there was no hope. And he raised her from the dead. This spiritually lame man's going to be raised by God's grace. And God uses means. It's through the preaching of the gospel. We can never say this enough. And it's not by preaching some false gospel. It's by preaching the gospel. The, Peter and John may have seen this man before. If they would went into the temple and... Went into this gate, they probably had seen him. But our Lord chose Peter and John to be the instruments that God would use to deliver this lame man. On their way, they crossed that man's path. This man had friends who brought him to this place. That's part of the means. What if he hadn't have been there? He'd have perished. And then, I want you to see this, they did what Peter commanded him to do. We command men in the gospel to look to Christ and live. And they won't. If they don't, they'll just perish. (sighs) Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John. That fastening the eyes is a word here that denotes to look intently, to fix his attention, Peter fastened his eyes upon that man. It's the same word it's used in verse 12 here in this chapter. And Peter, when and Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, you men of Israel, why marvel you at this? And why you look so earn, why do you look so intently or earnestly at us as you think that it was us that healed this man? That's what they thought. He said, we didn't do it. We didn't heal this man. Who healed him? The Lord did. Who healed him? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's who healed him. Now that, you think about it. A name is what distinguishes us from someone else. Who is he? Who healed him? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's what was written above his head on the cross. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They knew who he was, they knew why, what he did, they knew he died, and this is the one. And then Peter, next week, he will preach to these people who? Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and he will explain to them that he's the one who healed this man. He's the one. And Peter said, look on us. Peter has the man to cast his attention on them. They see what manner of men they were, you know. I could see them think, well, how can these men help me? How can they help me? And he said he gave heed to what they said. He was expecting to receive something from them. What do you think he was expecting? He was expecting money. He's probably not expecting a cure. He's probably not expecting to be delivered. It probably doesn't, maybe doesn't even enter his mind. And here's the miracle. I just, I wished I had the ability to preach this as this needs to be preached. Peter said, silver and gold. Have I none? But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You don't have no silver and gold? No. I've got something more precious than silver and gold. And look in verse 7. He took him by the hand. Took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strings. Now, I want you to see this. This is all the way through the scriptures, and this is how it always is. He told him to stand up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. That's just what he couldn't do. He does not have the ability to do what he's commanded to do. But with the command comes the ability. Peter can't make this man stand, he can't make him rise up. I, I would say, seeing people that couldn't walk, I'd say his legs had probably swiveled up to nothing. And you know what Peter did? Peter didn't just grab the man and jerk him up. No, he reached down and he took the man's hand. And when that man grabbed his hand, I think immediately he jumped, he just jumped straight up. Can you, we can't even begin to imagine what this man thought. Immediately, he didn't, he didn't stammer around. You know, you think about it, you had to learn to walk. Kids, it takes them a while. They stumble and fall, not this man. He jumped up, he walked, and he went with them into the temple. You know what that is? That's grace. How was he healed? Like you were healed. We believed God, and it was accounted unto us for righteousness. He believed. In spite of all the unbelief, he believed. He believed. He took him by the hand, and this man was given faith to rise up and walk. And this all was done. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They went they everywhere preaching in Christ's name. He said, henceforth, you've not asked anything in my name. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. When we gather together in worship, the main thing is that we gather together in his name, under his authority, under his power. That's what makes the difference. Peter's just a man. He's a sinner just exactly like us. And we can't give life to a dead sinner, but God uses dead sinners as means to save sinners. Rise up and walk. You know, and as I read back in chapter two, you know, it said they did a lot of wonders, and people were were amazed at what the disciples did. Now the disciples had this ability. They had the ability to heal the sick, give sight to the blind, and raise the dead. God gave them the ability. All power's been given unto you in heaven and in earth. God's going to wake that world up. And he's going to do it. And one of the main ones he uses is this man right here. Everybody knew him. He could have been a lame man. He also could have been a drunk. He could have taken the money that he got and begged for, and we don't know. We don't know. That don't matter. He's a sinner, and God showed him mercy. Jesus Christ, he's not dead. He's alive. Jesus still delivers men. When he says live, you live. You live. He that, he that couldn't walk now walks. He said he was leaping. And he took him by the hand and lifted him up, verse 7, and immediately, what's this? His feet and ankle bones Received what? Strength. Isn't that amazing? Immediately, the day God passed by, it was a time of love and he said, Live. This man, why couldn't he walk his ankle bones and his. He had no strength in his legs. He had no strength in his. The legs and feet could not support the weight of his body. He couldn't. But it does now. His, his strength is made perfect in weakness. It's not your strength. It's not to the rich. It's not to the fastest. It's, it's of grace. And he leaping up. I think he just jumped straight up and walked and entered with them into temple, walking and leaping and praising God. That's why I read. Did you notice that in, in Isaiah 35? This is how he says, this is the response of the gospel. Then shall the lame leap as the heart. the spiritually lame that have no strength, to support themselves, now leap like the young deer. We've got three little deers coming around the house now, and Sandy feeds them every evening. <laughs> and they're waiting on her. They, now, they're still a little skittish, but she's got a little pan out there. And when you pour the corn in the pan, they hear it. They, they know it's time to eat. And then sometimes they get a little afraid, and you see them just jumping off. That's how that man, he, they're just jumping. You know why? A lot of times they're just having fun. They're just playing. I love to watch them sometimes. I know Jim's seen You see little ones, they, they just run around like a rabbit. <laughs> just, you know what? They're just having fun. This man's tickled to death. <laughs> For 40 years, Jimmy, all his life, all he knew was lameness, deadness, and despair. And now he has life. I've got something more precious than silver and gold. Silver and gold could never heal him. Grace did. Christ did. Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Can you imagine what those people thought when they see this man? It said they knew who he was. His face is not changed. He's still, that part's the same man. And when the Lord saves us, there's still that old man who's still the same. But they said, that man, that, that can't be that man. That, that man used to lay outside the gate and begged. I've seen him for years. He's been there all my life. But look at him. What has happened to this man? God got everybody's attention. I believe you could have heard a pin drop in that place. He said they were filled with wonder, verse verse 10. And all the people, verse 9, saw him walking and praising God. They saw him. God intended for them to see him. You know what God did? He made an example of grace out of that man. He does something. What are you going to do with it? You going to deny it? There's no denying that this man was lame. It's like the John chapter 9. That man was born blind. And then they wanted to just say, well, you was never born blind to start with. And he said, how was you healed? He said, all I know is I was blind. And now I see. And if you'd ask this man, how do you walk? Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one who sits in glory, give me strength and I live. And the people saw him walking and praising God. Yeah, he ought to praise God. He's not praising Peter and John. He's praising the Lord. And they, that, and they knew that it was he that set for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. All these so called good, respectable, religious people see this man, and something's happened to this man that has never happened to them. They don't understand. How can, how can this be? How can it be that a dead sinner lives? I've seen God take, and the whole family be religious. The whole family, you know, they've been religious for generations. Everybody in the, the family's made professions. Everybody's made decisions. Everybody's been baptized. Everybody goes to church every Sunday, every service. All they go all the time. And God reaches down and saves one. Why is he different? Grace made the difference. Is that man different? Oh, yeah, he's different. He's walking. You know what he's doing? He's walking in the way of holiness, what it said in Isaiah 35. And all the redeemed do walk in the way of holiness. Where are you going? We're going to worship. He didn't run home to tell somebody. He went into the temple. Now he understands he understands. I guarantee this, you couldn't have kept him quiet. It's like blind Bartimaeus. He cried out and said, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they said, you need to be quiet. You, may, you just need to be quiet. He said, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Jesus stopped in his tracks and healed him. This man, he came. You know what he did? Here's an example of what grace does. When, grace has, when, God, when a person experiences grace in their heart, they, you will find them in the temple with God's people, worshiping God and praising him. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise him. Says, there they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto them. Like I said, isn't it amazing how God got their attention? The word wonder means to be dumbfounded and astonished. Wow. And they were filled with amazement, but it means bewilderment, bewilderness, bewildered. Remember the song, Amazing Grace? How sweet the sound. They were filled with wonder and amazement. When God saves a sinner, it is truly amazing. Well, what's going to be the response of all those people when they see this man? They have questions. We've never, seen, we've never seen anything like this before. And he did it right in, right in front of these people, just like when he healed that one man on the Sabbath day, right in the front right in the middle of them. What are they going to do? As self-righteous people do, they usually turn on those who preach the gospel. But then the rest of the chapter, and even in the chapter 4, deals with him, Peter dealing with these people based on what God did for this man. You know what he's going to do? He's going to explain to them how this man that was lame now walks. And when we preach the gospel, we show from God's word how God can save a dead dog sinner and give them life, and said, this is how it can be. How was he saved? He believed God. It's not what he did. He didn't say some catechism. Peter didn't say, would you repeat this prayer after me? When they were pricked in the heart, they said, what must we do to be saved? It said the people heard the word of God gladly. You don't see many people hear it gladly. There's very few people even want to hear the best news that man ever heard I don't have no silver and gold if you come for silver and gold you come to the wrong place but such as we have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth you rise up and walk and God makes men with him and it's amazing what God commands you to do God commands you to believe, and you cannot believe. But he commands you to believe, and you're responsible if you don't believe. But with a command, he gives you the ability. You know what's amazing and full of wonder tonight? That anybody in this place believes. And it's amazing that you still believe.